the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Get 15% off. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, a lesson on faith without compromise from Philip DeCourcy. When you're willing to displease God to please man, where you're willing to shave your morality, undercut your obedience to Jesus Christ, just to have the favor and the blessing and the approval and the acceptance of man. That's one of the telltale signs we become ensnared in the fear of man and pleasing people. We become approval junkies to please man. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. When we're cornered, we may feel the pressure to cave in, thinking that the only way out is to tell people what they want to hear. So it's important for us to learn from Jesus how to handle conflict without compromise and without an argument. We could be calm and collected when we draw from the principles found in God's Word. Philip has titled today's message, Render Unto Caesar. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 12. The Lord Jesus Christ addresses this issue of government, politics, the relationship of the follower of Jesus Christ to the state. And we can learn much about our responsibilities and our relationships as Christians in the culture. Now, you'll remember that we're in the context of several conflicts and controversies between the Lord Jesus Christ and the religious establishment. And so they come to try and trick him and trap him. That's clear from verse 13. They're up to their old ways. The Lord Jesus Christ is well aware of their hypocrisy and the end of their game. So he plays along to a degree, but he answers their question. And in this answer to their question regarding should we pay taxes or not pay taxes, specifically the poll tax, which was a tax that the Romans had levied on the Israelites. And really it was just to signal that you pay this tax for the privilege of living under Roman authority. And it irked the Jewish community. In fact, it led to a rebellion in 86 by a local hero in Galilee. So this is a loaded question. And they asked Jesus, hey, Do we pay taxes to the Romans or don't we pay taxes to the Romans? And in answering their question, Jesus makes a political statement, probably the most singularly profound political statement ever given. And he says, hey, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and then give to God what we owe him. So we want to delve into this. I want to catch up where we left off as quickly as possible. So just to refresh your memory, the first thought is what I call the trap. 
Did you notice that in verses 13 through 15? Then they sent to Jesus some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you're true. We know that you don't regard the face of men. You teach the truth. Now we've got a question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They went there to catch him out. They went to diminish his popularity, to trip him up, to provoke either the people to wane in their love for Jesus, or they wanted to stir up some trouble with the Romans. And so to do that, they ask him, as I've said, a question on taxes, to which there's really no good answer in that somebody's going to get offended. Because they were thinking, you know what, if he says, give the Romans the taxes that they asked for, this horrible poll tax, then if he says pay it, he's going to lose favor with the people. He's going to be seen as a quisling and a collaborator with the hated Romans. Now, if he says don't pay it, well, then he's going to be seen as an anarchist, a troublemaker, and someone who's a danger to the Pax Romano, peace within the empire. And so they had impaled Jesus on the horns of a dilemma. That's the trap. In the middle of this trap, you have the irony of the testimony. Look at verse 14. Teacher, we know you are true. Now, we're playing the hypocrite. We're acting deceitfully, duplicitly, falsely, but we want you to know you're true. They pay testimony to Jesus' integrity that he's not swayed by a person's power, prestige, background, or position. That's the meaning of the word there, you care about no one. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't care about people, but he wasn't beholding to their opinions. That's a wonderful thing, by the way, to give honor where honor is due, but be beholding to no one. Be your true self before the face of God. Jesus was. You're true. You're beholding to nobody. You don't regard the face of man. You're not one thing to the rich and another thing to the poor. You're marked by integrity inside and out. So ironically, they're praising Jesus for his integrity while they lack integrity. Now we stop for a moment to make two applications. We made one, which was beware of flattery. That's what's going on here, flattery. They're serving this up with a compliment. And that's not helpful, but it happens. In fact, listen to David back in Psalm 55 and verse 21 as he talks about the duplicitous and deceitful flattery of a friend. Psalm 55 verse 21. Of his friend, he says, His words were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You know, people will kill you with a smile. And that's what's going on in David's life. And you've got Jesus here dealing with a crowd of religious leaders who are in league with their mortal enemies, the Herodians, because their hatred for Jesus is greater than their hatred for each other. They find a common cause, strange bedfellows, but they come to Jesus with a smile on their face, but their hearts are at war with him. And we told ourselves, beware of flattery. Flattery is an awful thing. Don't be party to it. We made a distinction, didn't we, between gossip and flattery? Let me remind you, what is gossip? Gossip is saying behind someone's back what you would never say to their face. And flattery is the opposite. It's saying to their face what you don't mean and would never say behind their back. Remember what Adrian Rogers said about flattery? It's like perfume. Smell it, but don't swallow it. So we told ourselves, beware of flattery. Number two, beware of being a people pleaser. 
Beware of being a people pleaser. This is a skill that teenagers need to learn as they face peer pressure. This is a skill every parent needs to learn lest their love for their children becomes idolatrous and they become child-centered and people-pleasing. This is a skill that we all need to learn in the home and in the church and in the workplace, in our human relationships. In the one hand, care for people, respect, and show honor. But in another hand, don't care about people, their opinions, lest you become the slave to many masters, and you'll never be your true self within the will of God. So I wanted to spend a bit of time talking about this because the one thing that I love about this passage is the acknowledgement, even by the enemies of Jesus, he's not a people pleaser. He has crowds, but he's not a crowd pleaser. He's popular, but he didn't get there by giving people what they wanted. In fact, he lost part of the crowd back in John 6, verse 66, because he didn't give the people what they wanted. He had crowds, but he wasn't a crowd pleaser. He gave no regard to the face of man, is how that can be translated. When Jesus was in the presence of people, he didn't fear them, he didn't favor them, and he didn't fawn in their presence. He was what he was. He lived before an audience of one. John 8, verse 29, I do those things that please the Father. He was a God pleaser, a Father pleaser, not a people pleaser. Let's talk quickly about the right and proper aspect of pleasing people. I'm not taking away anything I've just said, but you and I can please people in a right and proper sense. Jesus did. I always do those things that please the Father. The Father said twice of Jesus, this is my well-beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Pleasing people is a good thing before it's a bad thing. And you and I need to understand that. Listen to Lou Priolo in his book called Pleasing People. It is right to please people to the extent that the Bible commands you to please, honor, and obey your parents, your rulers, and your superiors. Those whom God has placed in positions of authority are to be honored up to a point, obeyed. Implicit in these biblical directives is a divine sanction to please men. But again, such a license is not without limit. It may not supersede one's responsibility to please God. So we are to please those who we have a relationship and a responsibility towards, but it mustn't become inordinate or idolatrous. It mustn't spill over into what the psychologist calls codependency and the theologian calls idolatry because that's what codependency is. It's a form of idolatry because what is something that's idolatry? It is a desire. It's an action that is inordinate that begins to replace God in its importance in your life. And when you depend on someone, you want their favor, you want their relationship at any cost. At some point, you'll end up disobeying and displeasing God. You call it codependency, the Bible calls it idolatry. The Bible warns about the fear of man becoming a snare, where you become a slave to all kinds of masters, a bunch of kids in your classroom at school, someone at work, someone in a relationship. But there is a right and proper response to relationships in which we seek to please another person. Parents, Proverbs 15, verse 20, what does it say? Son, make your father's heart glad. Nothing wrong with pleasing your parents. In fact, it's everything right about it. Rulers, 
First Peter 2, 13 to 14, the rulers are given authority by God to order society to promote the good. And when the good is promoted, men are to be praised. There's an acknowledgement there that as good citizens live and abide by the law, they ought to be praised by the government because they have indeed pleased the government and honored the government, and everybody benefits from that. So, yeah, please people. Please your parents. Please your superiors. Please your employers. Colossians 3.22 says, Now, when you serve your employer, don't render them what's called eye service. It's a wonderful little phrase, eye service, as in you get a busy bee when the foreman's on the floor. I know what that's like. I worked in industry for several years before going to Bible college. I was on an aerospace production line. And you know what? As soon as the foreman was on the floor, everybody started working. The rest of the time, they were reading their paper about the races, and they were having bats on this and that. Eye service. Scurrying around, you know. He thinks we're working all the time, and we only work when he's here. Kind of sad thing. It goes on. You've seen it. Maybe you've been party to it. The way you're to work for your boss is you're to work punctually and hard and honestly all the time. You don't just render eye service. You just don't give your best when he's there. You do it from the heart. So there's a right and there's a proper pleasing of people. But there is a wrong and improper pleasing of people. Because sin is often a good thing gone bad. It's often a proper desire that becomes inordinate that becomes idolatrous, that takes up space in our lives, that suffocates and cries out the will of God in obedience to His Word. We become ensnared in the fear of man and pleasing people. We become approval junkies. We'll do anything to be part of the crowd. We'll do anything to fit in. We'll do anything not to face that person's anger. I'm not saying that's easy, but I'm just saying it's real. And we want to think that through and In his book, Pleasing People, Lou Priolo gives us several things that will indicate we are a approval junkie. Now, I've got nine of them, so we're going to go fast. But you need to hear these. I'm kind of giving you the popcorn style. I'm going to give you references I'm not going to turn to. But you want to know if you are a people pleaser? And I'll guarantee you this. You and I, myself included, are probably more of a people pleaser than we're willing to admit or see. And here's some of the things we need to watch out for. Number one, when you're willing to displease God to please man. Where you're willing to shave your morality, undercut your obedience to Jesus Christ, just to have the favor and the blessing and the approval and the acceptance of man. That's one of the telltale signs. Are you willing to disobey? In fact, I will take you to one passage because it's interesting that John in his gospel underscores this clear and present danger. Listen to John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. So they kept silent, probably proved to be false disciples. Number two, when you do eye service, we kind of touched on that from Colossians 3.22, but I'll give you Matthew 6 verses 1 and 2, where Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he teaches us how to pray, and he teaches us how not to pray. And one of the things he teaches us not to do is to make a show of our prayer life. He likes it behind closed doors, in the closet, in the quiet place, away from the glare of public observation. But not the Pharisees. What did they? They loved 
to stand at the street corners and pray and fast and do their alms because what? They loved to be seen by men. You're a people pleaser if you go out of your way to do something to catch the eye of someone's notice. It's one of the telltale signs. Are you willing to displease God? Are you the kind of person that does eye service? You like to draw attention to yourself and your actions? Here's another one, fishing for a compliment. The book of Proverbs tells us, you know what? Let another man praise you. But Proverbs 25 verse 27 warns about kind of blowing your own trumpet. And you know what? You may be a people pleaser. You may be an approval junkie if you tend to fish for compliments. You know what? You did something and nobody recognized it and you're not going to let that pass. So you wait for that moment in the conversation to bring the subject up in a roundabout way because you wouldn't want to be seen to be proud. You know the story, right, of the pastor who just knocked it out of the park, preached a great sermon. On the way home, he's kind of surprised his wife hasn't said anything yet about, hey, honey, that was a whopper. And so he's kind of ticked off a little about this. He knows it was a good one. And so he goes fishing. He said, you know what? I was thinking tonight, dear, there's not many great preachers and expositors left. You know, fishing. To which she replies, yeah, and there's one less than you think. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff backfires on you. Be careful. So are you willing to displease God? Do you fish for compliments? Are you someone who does eye service? Are you one that plays favorites? You'll have a seed and a streak of people pleasing in you if you tend to show favor to certain people so do you get favor from certain people. You're one thing with one group and another thing with another group. You'll go out of your way. You'll fawn over a certain type of person. James 2, verses 1 to 4, right? The ushers warned, when the rich man's there, he doesn't get treated any better than the poor man. White collar, blue collar. Hamani suits or overalls don't make a difference in the church. Favoritism's out. Those who fear God never show favoritism. Those who fear man show it all the time. Here's another telltale sign. Do you craft your words to kind of curry favor with people? You know, you want to be accepted and approved. So you know what? You know who's the gatekeeper at school or in the office. And you go out of your way, man. Hey, have I told you lately how great you are? And you would never do it as crossly as that. But you'll craft your words. You'll butter them up a little bit. And again, there's a kind of blurred line here. Complimenting's good. Encouraging's good. Recognizing good work. But here we're dealing with selfishness, ulterior motive, a kind of crafting words, flattery. You really don't mean it or you've exaggerated it. Look to 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 to 5, and you'll see that Paul says, I didn't come with flattering words. I just told you the truth. I didn't craft my message and I didn't bend my convictions to suit you. Here's another thought. Do you compromise the gospel to be accepted? Galatians 1, verse 10, Paul says, I don't please man. And he's in the context of the gospel being kind of watered down in Galatia. The people were removing themselves from the gospel. And I think that's another telltale sign. If nobody in your class at school knows you're a Christian, you're a people pleaser. You're ensnared in the fear of man. You don't want to be pegged as the goody two-shoes and perm the pinata for everybody's mockery. You're a people pleaser. 
been there, done that, to speak of myself, repented of it, thankfully. Here's another thing. Do you seek public respect and elevation? If you do, you're going to be really tempted in terms of pleasing people to get there and get high up. Matthew 23, 5 to 7. Again, we're back to the Pharisees who love to put on a religious show. And it says, And they loved the seats in the synagogue. And they loved the attention and the adulation that came. And here's another thing, number eight. Do you withdraw from certain people to stay in the company of other people? You're a people pleaser. You've got that with Peter of all. Galatians 2, 11 to 13, you've got the Judaizers. Up until then, Peter has spent time with these new Gentile converts, getting to know them and spending time with them. Then the Judaizers come say, hey, Peter, you may want to take a step back. For to be a completed Christian, they need to become partial Jews. They need to become circumcised. You know what? The church needs to retain a Jewish flavor to it. And he steps back and Paul confronts him, it says, to his face. I love that. He's like Jesus. He gives no regard to a man's face. Peter, come here. You're wrong. This is not grace. This is undermining the gospel. This is putting up barriers in the church where they don't belong. Peter, knock it off. But what had Peter done? Read the text, Galatians 2, 11 to 13. He withdrew. You're a people pleaser, You're an approval junkie. I am if I tend to withdraw from certain people so that I can belong to other people because that crowd doesn't like this crowd. This crowd doesn't fit in with that crowd, and you get caught in the crossfire of all that nonsense. Here's the last thought. When you won't confront, when you won't confront, that's Proverbs 28, verse 23. talks about the need to rebuke. See, Proverbs elsewhere says what? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's Hebrew parallelism. It's a mirror image, right? Faithful, deceitful. Friend, enemy. Wound, kiss. But we would rather have the kiss of a Judas-type friend than the wound of a real friend who says, you need to knock that off. You need to shape up or ship out. You need to change. But you see... We don't like that, and we don't like having to do that. And when we don't like someone getting in our face, you can be sure that we've got a streak of people pleasing in us. We like to be approved and accepted. And when you and I aren't willing to confront, because we might lose that person's favor again, need to be careful. A warning against the trap of people-pleasing. That's Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. Today's message is called Render Unto Caesar from our Essential Jesus series. Listen to more sermons online or purchase the complete series package in one handy CD album when you go to ktt.org. That's our mission here at Know the Truth, to bring you clear and convicting Bible teaching that you can put to use in your daily life. And we know you're passionate about God's Word, too. That's why you listen to Know the Truth. So won't you join us to reach into your community and the world for Christ? Through the radio and the Internet, Know the Truth shares God's Word with people across the country and even around the world. Give a much-needed gift to Know the Truth at ktt.org or call in your donation at 888-644-8811. 
And with the Christmas season nearly upon us, when you give, we'll send you a book by Sinclair Ferguson called Child in the Manger. Get a refreshing perspective on Christmas that you can take with you every day of the year. Give to Know the Truth and request Child in the Manger today. Call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. If you prefer, you can mail your donation to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you're new to Know the Truth or if you've never reached out before, Philip wants to send you his message called Finding the Heart to Go On. Be encouraged as Philip reminds you of God's unfailing mercies. Request the free CD when you go to our website at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Again, that's 888-644-8811. And if you're going through a particular tough season, it would be our privilege to pray for you. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow as we continue in Mark chapter 12. That's Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My employees and I would like to thank you for making MyPillow possible. Years ago, when I invented MyPillow, I thought I was the only one out there with problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I'd flip-flop all night, or wake up with a sore neck or headache. So that's why I invented MyPillow. You can adjust MyPillow's patented fill to your exact individual needs to help you get to sleep faster and stay there longer, to get the quality sleep you need. I back it with my 10-year warranty and my 60-day money-back guarantee. And now to thank you, I'm bringing back my best offer ever. Buy one of my MyPillows and get another one absolutely free. Purchase the best pillow you will ever own today. Call 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA. Notice the difference a good night's sleep can make. Take advantage of the buy one, get one free offer. Call 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA. How would you like to get a Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.